When Christina was 10, she wrote a poem for school, and she called it Ted's Scab. <clears throat> there once was a man they called Ted who had a huge scab on his head. One day he picked it, and then he flicked it, and found it under his bed. <laughs> Thank you. That's Christina reading some gross elementary school poetry. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. How are you doing? Wow, it is so nice to see you. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live in Calgary, we have a Canada Day concert in the park, a stone-cold breakup letter, passive-aggressive journal entries, and much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and by looking back at who we were, this stuff can help us better understand who we are today. So think about who you were when you were a kid. And stick around. Live music can be a transformative experience, especially when you're a teenager. The first time you go see a live band, it's exciting. And the first time you go to a concert on your own without your parents, it's a milestone for your independence. When our next reader, Jenny, was 14, she and her friends went to a Canada Day concert in downtown Calgary. And Jenny wrote about it in her diary. Well, yesterday was pretty cool. Trish had just slept over. At night, we read magazines, talked, and listened to music. Cool. (laughs) Well then, yesterday was Canada Day, and there was a huge celebration at Princess Island Park. I went with Trish... Jaspreet and Serena. Dad dropped us off at 11 o'clock and we had like five hours until Tarek and Age of Electric were performing. (laughs) So we went to Eau Claire Market and TD Square. I got awesome fake glasses and so did Serena. I also got some makeup, candles, earrings, and patches. The concert was an unforgettable experience. There were tons of weird people. (laughs) Freaks. (laughs) Sluts. Trendies. Gross people. Pedophiles. (laughs) Druggies and hippies. Both Tarek and Age of Electric were great. I was on the verge of the mosh pit and saw so many crazy body surfers go up and come down. One guy came out of the mosh pit bleeding to death. (laughs) It was pretty brutal. Unfortunately, this day had a pretty crappy ending. Serena started to get crazy and she threw all these papers up into the air and they all landed in a pool. Some woman started to bitch at her, and Serena was swearing back at her. Then she took a huge pile of papers and spread them all across the road. When my dad came to pick us up, some woman told on Serena. My mom and dad made her go out and pick up all the papers. (laughs) Just as I expected, when we got home, I got a lecture about hanging out with Serena. My dad hates her 
as I expected, but despite all the wrong she did, she did give me two of her necklaces. Very cool. Part of me wondered just how accurate Jenny's 14-year-old account of the concert was. So, to corroborate her story, I reached out to Tarek, one of the musicians who played at that show. He told me it was memorable for him, too. I do remember it really well. And uh, and I've never seen anything like that before at any, car- any shows that I play. I've never had anybody mosh to my music before. This is completely uh, unorthodox and, and, again, like quite a wild experience. So there I am I playing, uh, and I remember the, uh, the bleeding guy, the bleeding mosher as well. In any case, it was you know, a, a very much a surprise and unexpected. So a great day, great memory of Canada Day. Jenny, thank you for uh, reigniting that uh, in my brain. And uh, nice to hear, you know, from the perspective of a fan as well. You sort of forget that as a performer, that you think it's all about what you're doing on stage. But, you know, audience members have great passion to shows as well. And it's nice to hear it from, from that perspective as well. So thanks for that. And uh, hey, uh, everybody out there, happy campaign. See you later. Peace. One of the things I love about kid writing is how it lets you explore and reflect and try to understand who you are, even when who you are seems to be changing all the time. Our next reader, Olivia, brought some poetry and prose she wrote between the ages of 16 and 20, a time in her life that she describes as angry, angsty, and lonely. Please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids stage, Olivia. didn't matter. And for that one split second, it didn't matter at all. Not the stained color of my eyes or the shape of my small mouth. Not my sandpaper complexion or my hair's desert dryness. Not my disproportionate body or my self-conscious air. I looked into the mirror and waited for a response that said, I like you. And for that one split second, it didn't matter at all. Everything around me tore down and I was surrounded by nothingness. I couldn't think, I couldn't see, and I was me. And for that one split second, I could see myself, not the skin, muscle, fat, and bones which construct me, not the countless hours wasted on failed self-improvement, not the physical changes I'd subliminally created and tried to believe. I searched deep within myself to find what I wanted to hear. You're perfect the way you are. And for that one split second, I could see myself. I stomped out the ashes of my former ideals. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't cry, for the voice was mine, and not a fabricated interest that I've picked up from the media. (laughs) 20 years old. I've been out of my teens for just under two months now. 20. I feel like my adolescence has been measured by hours online. ICQ, online journal entries, research for projects, site design, email, even cribbage games over Yahoo. (laughs) I've been a net addict since I was 13. That's seven years, and I'm still here. I'm progressing into adulthood by the same means I lived my adolescence. 
online. It's not necessarily a bad thing. I've been cybercultured, so to speak. Class notes are online. I design web pages for school. I worked for an internet company. My father's a Java programmer. It's been part of my social existence. It's a reality, so to speak, for many others out there as well. And while it's scary, I want treehouses, wheelbarrows, and piles of leaves. I want my bike with the annoying spoke decorations and my rock houses and my mom's pathetic little garden. I want the makeshift soccer field and dinky skating rink at the park beside my house. I want hours outside, running, biking, yelling, scraping knees, catching frogs. I'm 20, and I'm a victim of cyberculture. <laughs> One's fixed, the other variable. Maybe it's time to make some changes. Thank you. At Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids, we try to highlight the complex mix of emotions that we feel when we grow up. And a very natural emotion, especially in your teenage years, is jealousy. Our next reader, Jason, shared a letter he wrote in high school to another student. And the subject of the letter is his jealousy about a girl. Please welcome Jason to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids stage. A quick heads up, Jason's letter includes a cuss word and acknowledges the existence of sex. There's your heads up. Here's Jason reading his letter to Luke about a girl named Kat. Dear Luke, you seem to have this bad habit of taking girls I'm interested in. (laughs) It's bad enough you took Tiff, but to steal someone I had been seeing, dot, dot, dot. Do you know about what she did with John? Obviously not, because you are such a cold-hearted shit. You would drop her like a bad habit. Then again, smoking is a bad habit, and you haven't quit that yet. May you inherit a trait where your penis shrivels up, turns black, and falls off. And balls swell up like balloons. <laughs> and, and then burst. <coughs> Spraying blood and sperm, gasping... <laughs> gasping their last breath everywhere. In which case, Kat would stay with someone who truly cared and didn't flirt with other women while dating someone who had been cheated on by two other boyfriends. Die, die, (laughs) die. (laughs) Truly, Jason. So Jason wrote that letter to Luke. Who is our next reader? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids stage, Luke. So, not to really prove his point or anything, but uh, this was a breakup letter I wrote to my girlfriend at the time. So, hey, Kat. Well, not a fun letter to write, but one that needs to be done. 
maybe shouldn't be written but said, well, you know, whatever. I guess I should just flat out say that I'm not happy with us anymore, and I haven't been for some time now. I had hoped that our time spent together yesterday was going to make things better for me. It was an all right afternoon and had a handy turn of events. Though no complaints, and since you ended up three to one in the happiness department, doubt you could either. But in the end, no, it just didn't bring it back for me. At this point, I was doodling like all over the middle of the page for like an hour. I don't know why. Uh, Sorry for doodling. Mr. Clark is rambling on about some sort of financial crisis and I'm bored. Uh, Like I said, in the end, it just isn't working for me anymore. We should just move on in our own ways. Anyway, thanks for the fun, and I'm not trying to be a douche, but I just figured I'd be honest, and it's just what and where I am right now. Not really sure what else to add, but Nirvana could probably sum this up well. (laughs) What else could I be? All apologies. (laughs) Love always, Luke. Thank you. So Jason wrote a letter to Luke. Luke wrote a letter to Kat, who is our next reader. Please welcome Catherine to the Grown Up Street Things They Wrote As Kids stage. Well, that was a harsh letter. But I'm an independent woman, so I wrote back. Um, The only thing you need to know is Max was the um, guy that Luke's previous girlfriend had left him for. Um, And that although he has for over 20 years called me Cat, I hate it with a passion. (laughs) Funny how I didn't doodle this class. Hey, Luke. I guess it was just love, not boredom, immaturity. But yesterday didn't bring it back, much as I don't completely believe that. Your pillowcase tells all. (laughs) I'm very glad I didn't make a fool of myself by throwing myself at you. That would have proven to be embarrassing. Well, at least I still have my sense of humor. Mr. Jumps out of things too fast. That seems to be all I have now, being that my bra and underwear, along with other meaningful items, have now been destroyed with a chainsaw. Painful Mr. Just Popped Out. It was, may I add, no big deal. Well, shit happens, life goes on, and I'm going to go screw Max. At least he'll respond properly. And in all honesty, try one to one. <laughs> Love. Love always and all apologies, Cat. No, Catherine. <laughs> One more time for Grown Up Street Things They Wrote As Kids. First fully executed love triangle, ladies and gentlemen. 
I should mention that despite teenage jealousy and hurt feelings, Jason, Luke, and Catherine remain friends to this day. And even after that epic high school breakup, Luke and Catherine have been married for 16 years. A lot of the material we hear on stage was originally written for personal exploration. People write because they want to. They keep diaries or journals, and it's often private or secret writing done just for themselves. Our next reader, Chris, is going to share a number of journal entries that she wrote not because she wanted to, but because she was forced to in eighth grade English class. This is writing under duress. And what you need to know is that this is the type of writing where your teacher would give you a prompt. So all but one of these come along with prompts. Please welcome Chris to our stage. I hate English class. And being forced to write a journal only amplifies this hatred. If I had personal thoughts or feelings I wanted to record, I would not want to share them with a teacher. Nothing that happens in school is interesting enough to be worth writing about, and my home life is no teacher's business. Consequently, I'm left with nothing to write about except the extent to which I hate this class. Uh, this one was the best thing that happened last week. The best thing that happened last week was when Dorco phoned on Sunday night. We talked till all hours, and since I didn't get to bed until well after midnight, I got to sleep in this morning and miss my first class. It's a shame I didn't have English first period. <laughs> Things that a political leader should have. A political leader should, one, have a pretty slash handsome face. Nobody will vote for you if you're ugly. Two, have a Kodak moment family, for show, to prove an emphasis on family living. Three, have straight teeth. In today's world of orthodontic appliances, bad teeth seem even more hideous. Four, have a limo, to get from place to place in style. Five, be skilled in the arts of truth stretching and circumlocution so they can lie slash avoid their way out of awkward positions in the Q&A period. Where will you be in 10 years? In 10 years, I will probably be dead. <laughs> my death will be the result of stress-induced hypertension or my ulcer. If I am still alive, I will be working as an exotic dancer in a Las Vegas strip club and making loads of money and tips. I'll be living in a studio apartment alone. I will spend all my off hours painting or going to the movies. And the last one was uh, writing about love. True romantic love is a fairy taleistic quality that only exists in books, movies, and on television. In real life, people are never joined by something pure and innocent like they are in works of fiction. Real people are drawn together by superficial physical attraction and lust. Although they try to pretend they are head over heels adoring of a person's body and spirit, this is never the case. 
People get married for financial gain, social standing, a desire to be seen as normal or complete, and similar reasons. <laughs> People who want to fall in love are idiotic in their wish. If they aren't happy and think that love will change that, they are wrong. They end up making their significant other unhappy and staying at least as miserable, if not more so. People should learn to be happy as individuals instead of looking to love. They should vanquish lust and physical attraction. This would solve the overpopulation problem <laughs> and, and many problems caused by love. Child abuse, marital abuse, divorce, etc. If we wanted to continue this wretched race, we could do it with science. Thank you. And the grown-ups read things they wrote as kids trophy for most profoundly jaded eighth grader goes to Chris, ladies and gentlemen, one more time. I sometimes say that instead of grown-ups read things they wrote as kids, we could have just called our show kids are weird. And our next reader is a pretty good example why. When Christina was 10 or 11, she wrote a short story on her own time just for fun. She called it The Job for Joe B. And I will warn you, it does not make a lot of sense. Here's Christina. <clears throat> the only way to eat a squid was with your eyes closed. That was Joe's first mistake. <laughs> When the moon was bright and Joe was very hungry, so he went down to the kitchen and took something slimy out of the fridge. He at the back of the fridge. Obviously, it was old, most likely moldy, but seeing as Joe was hungry, he ate it anyway. When he popped it in his mouth, he nearly barfed. But on the other hand, it was sweet and tangy. <laughs> Attention, this is not a good thing to eat. We just say he ate it for humor and fictional reasons. <laughs> I repeat, do not try this. So he took another bite, but just as soon as he did, his mom came down the steps and asked him what he was doing. When she saw what was in his hand, she screamed and ran back upstairs. He looked in his hand, screamed. <laughs> he was eating squid sushi. Ew, sick. <laughs> the next day, when Joe went to school, he told all his friends how brave he was to eat a piece of squid with his eyes open. Soon everyone in the whole country had heard of the infamous Joe B. In a week, he had appeared on 15 news shows, six talk shows, and also one freak show. <laughs> and he had been elected twice as the president of the United States. <laughs> Although the story had evolved into him winning an eating contest that used live squids with purple spots and that he had eaten 60 pounds of it, to which... What? To which gave some people the idea he could eat anything. So the richest man in the world, who also happened to be a major polluter of the ocean, <laughs> decided to pay him a visit. The richest man in the world's name was George. Just for future reference, because it would be quite a waste of ink to say the richest man in the world rather than just saying his name, which I repeat is George. <laughs> 
His, noun, his name is pronounced like the name George, but I find the name George is more fun writing it with a G plus J. It's a fun letter. So anyway, now back to the story. <laughs> so when George came to Joe, who according to an earlier point is now the president of the United States of America, just in case you missed that, to chat with him, he had a business proposition for the president. Mr. President, I was wondering if you would like to come to my place for dinner. In fact, I do have a rare delicacy that my cook likes to make. I could ask him to whip it up for you so we can have a weekend together. I do have a lot to talk to you about. Well, I will see. Just then his watch started to beep. Oh my, I need to get to my meeting. I'll make another appointment for you, say tomorrow at 11.05. Sure, I think I could do that. Excellent. Well, bye. You know the way out. Joe made his way down conference room where the Prime Minister of Canada, her name was Christina, as well the presidents of Venezuela, Brazil, Suriname, Portugal, and Ireland. <laughs> this meeting that these countries had was about the pollution of the Atlantic Ocean by such large industries as Cantrex, a large company responsible for dumping radioactive waste into the ocean, as well as Diamines, a famous and large, actually it was the largest, company that recovers diamonds from underwater ca caverns, so instead of treating waste that they gain, use the oceans as a big landfill. Also, there is a problem of sewage being dumped into the ocean untreated. Gentlemen and lady, what will we do? And just at that moment, Joe's watch began to beep. I am so sorry, gentlemen and women, but my next meeting is starting in the next five minutes, so I have to run. So our next, movie, our next meeting will be in, how about Canada? Say tomorrow, 9 to 5.45. Everyone agreed, and it was off to the next meeting. The next day at 9. And that's where it ends. <laughs> Thank you. That is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. Our show was recorded live at the Leacock Theater at Mount Royal University in Calgary and was produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Our music is by Poddington Bear and Lullatone. Our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. If you want to know about upcoming live events, the best thing to do is join our email newsletter. Just visit grownups.fm and click newsletter. That way you'll be the first to know when we're coming to your town. That's grownups.fm and click newsletter or use the link in the episode notes on your device right now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.
One guy came out of the mosh pit bleeding to death. 